for this. Perfect. Okay. Right. I'm going to start. I don't know how that function. I know I didn't until yes, the other day I was teaching yoga and it just started talking to me. Right. Okay. <laughs> I'll start. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's podcast of Females in Fitness. Today, I'm joined by Priya, who is currently studying her PhD in health psychology. So hello, Priya. Hi, Erin. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, you. I'm good. Thank you. Good. Thank you very much for joining uh, me today on the podcast. My pleasure. Before we delve into health psychology and nutrition, uh, would you mind just telling me and everyone else a bit about yourself, your background and your PhD? So um, I'm a second year PhD student. So I come from a psychology background and then was interested in healthier lifestyles. And that's how I ended up in health psychology. My research is actually more around dietary uh, behavior. So trying to improve dietary behavior and maintaining like long-term healthy habits. So that's kind of where I am now. And it's just something I'm trying to um, live myself and try and preach to other people um, and trying to implement my own health changes and learning along the way. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Okay, perfect. And I think it's really interesting because um, in terms of like nutrition and psychology, a lot of people know what they're supposed to do and know what to eat and what's not good and bad, what's healthy, what might be not as healthy, but it's the psychology behind why people make the choices of what they're eating and I think that's the hard part because like as a personal trainer I know that I can tell someone the best things to eat but it's a lot harder getting them to gauge in their minds changing their mindset and their behaviors around food it's it's a biggie yeah it is I think it comes down to um what are the intentions what are the goals so if you're just doing a six-week intervention what's going to happen after the um the training program what are you planning to do? Are you going back to a normal life or are you going to maintain it? And I think this is where there's always a gap between psychology and general nutrition and physical activity training. Um, if you're not looking at it from a perspective where you're asking yourself, why am I doing it? If you're doing it in the long term, then you're more likely to adapt that behavior. If you don't, then it's just a cutoff point after six weeks and you're going to go back to normality. Yes, perfect. Now, I've just added a question here. Sorry about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if this is just too broad a question, but yeah. in terms of like psychology and nutrition, what mm-hmm. are some tips you could give for people to make behavioral changes in terms of changing their mindset for a healthier approach to nutrition and diet? Doing it in small steps. So I think when you try and wake up the next day uh, from Monday and think, right, I'm going to eat healthy and, and just go for it. I think that's a lot of information that you're trying to take onto yourself and trying to implement it. And it never truly works. I know from my personal experiences of always trying to start the gym, I think it would be around um, the first day of the new year where I would um, get my gym membership. And every single year I would start around the same time and my family and friends would laugh. And the record breaking for me was um, I lasted one hour and then went and got my (laughs) refund just after the induction. So it took me a good couple of years to the point now where I love uh, training and and going to the gym. And it's less about me trying to lose weight and more around doing it as the kind of mental coping skill. So because my um, intention changes to why I do it, it shifted my mindset to now it's more of a lifestyle. It's not um, an activity that I just see that I have to do for the sake of doing. So it took me a good couple of years. And if you think realistically about other goals you want to do, eating healthy, again, that took me years to understand how to calorie count, how to look at protein intake, look at, think about what my goal is and then tailor the food accordingly. 
if you're losing weight, you'd be trying to be in calorie deficit. Um, again, I didn't have that information before. So I was just trying to eat fruit and veg thinking, oh, I'll lose weight from that. So again, that took a good couple of steps. And what I tend to use these days is say for water intake, I'd mark down, I've had one glass of water or two glasses of water. Um, and there's no specific goals, but it just makes you want to do it more. So I started with water, started with increasing my um, steps. So using just like a Fitbit. And then eventually over time, everything came together. So the physical activity, going to the gym, improving my nutrition which always goes up and down but I've seen it more as a lifestyle and the need just to get my nutrition up so it's all kind of come together but it took me a good couple of years to do that and I think that's more realistic in than telling somebody wake up on Monday and do all of that together yes um yeah I, I see that with um clients I think sometimes for a client who is trying to is like the complete opposite end of the spectrum never come to the gym before um if they turn up to a consultation and you're like, okay, you're going to do 15,000 steps. You're going to be on like 1500 calories. I want you to track all your meals. You're going to go to the gym three times a week. That's just too much for most people. Like, um, yeah. I think people have the best intention and they want to make it happen, but trying to just completely overhaul your whole life in the space of like 24 hours, just, it just isn't practical for most people. Um, and yeah. you see a lot in personal training, you see a lot of personal trainers kind of, um, cookie cutting and just try to change every aspect of someone's person's life instead of just saying for example like steps if someone is only doing 2,000 steps a day and you're telling someone get 15,000 steps that's just way too overwhelming for someone so start with 5,000 for a first week and then increase it and I suppose it's the same with nutrition as well you got to do what's um it's almost like you can't use the same one size fit all you've got to do what's according to you so I know some days if I'm working from home I'm not going to get that many steps in so I'll lower it to 5,000 steps and just walk around the village but on the days where I know I'll be out of the house um, working on campus I'll increase to 10,000 because I know it's doable so it's trying to be kind to yourself but being realistic with your circumstances yeah especially with finance when it comes to nutrition because it's not always that cheap to eat no. healthy as I know yeah definitely um so in particular in your PhD I know you um do a lot about diet and culture um and on your Instagram the day you did a post about I need to make sure I pronounce this properly dietary occult acculturation acculturation, acculturation. Yeah, that's so one, yeah. what does this mean so it's understanding, um, you know, the, the population that we have in, within the UK and across the world, it's so diverse now and we all have different needs and there's different intrinsic and extrinsic factors that influence our behaviours when we're trying to make healthy lifestyle changes. So dietary acculturation is where the food from our country of origin kind of comes with our um, the, the older generations that came here that weren't born, where, where our generation was probably born here. And that food is kind of there and it's kind of part of our identity whilst most of our generation is adapting the western diet so we have a little bit of both yeah and i wouldn't say either or are healthy in particular but generally when you have one unhealthy and another unhealthy diet come together you're just eating you're not eating too good unless you know how to cook and unless you know how to actually eat healthy so diet acculturation has a huge influence on most ethnic minority people um, from that background on how they eat and trying to change their behavior. And I don't think this is an area that's really looked that much into from a kind of a personal training or the sports and exercise field because they think, oh, if I give them a diet plan, they'll eat it. But I think you need to take into consideration what is it that they're eating? So if it's predominantly Asian food because I'm South Asian background, then 
that whichever plan diet plan you've given me to go with my physical uh, activity training needs to be realistic on what I actually eat on a day-to-day basis and how often I eat it and a lot of the time that's not tailored I'm gonna raise that's really interesting because I haven't even considered that with my clients like I don't I don't really give out food plans because I don't I just don't even like to enter that field like for me nutrition's mm-hmm. a whole other ballpark and I know some PTs will disagree with me but I'm kind of on the sense that I will give you general guidelines on nutrition but that isn't my specific job if that makes sense like it is what I think what's good is um there are actually good materials out there so I'll give you an an example the carbs and calves book the world food book that's actually a visual representation of portion eating your um, carbs and protein and then your fruit and veg on the side um they did two series of books, but one of them was the World Food Book, and it covers South Asian diet, African cuisine, wow. um, and other cuisines as well. And I, and I think if personal trainers, you could use them without doing the extra work, just use what's already out there that's already been validated. And it's visually easy for um, the likes of me to refer to that when I'm eating South Asian food, which is harder to track compared to yeah. English food, where you can portion control one burger with chips on the side. Yeah. So what's what's the name of that book as well? I'm going to write it down. It's now. called um, World Food Book, Carbs and Cows. It's from their series. I'm writing that down right now. I've got it under, I've got it on, on my bookshelf behind me actually. Ooh, yeah, that's really interesting. And um yeah, like I don't I mean I don't want to single anybody out or like sweep her yeah. like a sweeping statement, but I don't know any personal trainers that have ever made yeah. made that a point of saying we're trying mm-hmm. to link their cultures and their food with um healthy nutrition. Because I suppose like things with my fitness pal although it's really handy if you're trying to put a recipe into my fitness pal we all know if we've used it before it's a pain like it's a pain in the backside and especially Mm -hmm. for I imagine like um a lot of Asian cultures where a lot of ingredients are used and it's like how do you track all of that (laughs) and a lot of the time it's not either just a recipe from a book where you could just put the amount in it's just Mm -hmm put some in, taste the food, does it taste right? If not, add a bit more, add a bit less. And how do you track that? (laughs) So this is actually something that I covered in one of my focus group studies. There's no, um, when when we grew up, we would always have, let's say a a plate of rice and we'd have multiple curries. It wouldn't just be one curry. So how do you track all the different, you know, the table gets filled. I think that's a normal thing and it's all full of colorful food. How do you track how much you're taking from like a spoon each from each curry? And that's where the problem is. So when I asked them, um, generally, would you say portion control is hard with your ethnic diet? And they said yes. But with English food, it's always, let's say, one burger on one plate, yeah. as I use. Meat and two uh, veg. Examples. Meat and two thing, veg, yeah. yeah. It's more portion control, whereas South Asian food, we, we don't have any kind of um, mental kind of boundaries around how much we should be eating. In fact, we'd be taking more due to the peer pressure and social pressures that we eat under. Yeah. And I think as well, um, in England, food isn't as much as a family occasion that we don't sit by the table or go to people's houses for dinner parties as much it's not a big family Mm -hmm. occasion whereas a lot of other cultures you'll Mm -hmm. go go around to a family member's house and there'll be a big meal there how are Mm -hmm. you supposed to track a meal or try and maintain healthy if somebody else has cooked a meal for you 
Well, this, this is actually something I wrote an article on. I call it the social food environment. So it's looking at um, you feeling guilty because you're saying, oh, I don't want to eat too much because I'm training tomorrow or um, grandparents giving you food. And you, if you say no, they look like they're about to cry. So it's dealing with all those kind of social and peer pressures, but it's more prominent in ethnic minority cultures. Um, and again, this isn't this is something that's completely missed out when they're talking about dietary behavior, but they don't realize how much of a control it has on our diet and our dietary behavior and any changes we make yeah definitely no it's really it's a really interesting subject actually um it is so are there any examples of some dietary behaviors that you notice in certain cultures and you can refer to like south asian cultures because obviously that's what you're looking into more are there any specific um behaviors you've noticed i think portion control is one from a, a dietary perspective and also because we always eat as a unit and it's the same for um, physical activity. If you want to tap into this area where you want to be more inclusive and, and work towards tailor it for them, then a group approach is probably the best approach for um, ethnic minority groups. I can speak for South Asians. Um, it always works well trying to get South Asian women together who wouldn't normally exercise on their own. Um, normally they would feel more comfortable with a, a female instructor anyway, but yeah. getting them as a group, you would actually get them more motivated because they have group um, shared goals as opposed to individualistic goals which is more of a western ideology I guess when yeah. it comes around changing um, or making any changes to your habits or so so that's the biggest difference is the collectivist and the individualistic approach to two. Oh wow yeah again I've never even thought about this um, <laughs> I've never actually considered that as as a point yeah. Um, yeah and like I know we've kind of touched on some setbacks such as um mm -hmm eating with family and not be able to portion control but are there any setbacks in establishing healthy eating habits in certain cultures is there anything that's other anything else that you think is stopping people from eating as well as a result of their cultural diet so it comes down to health beliefs as well so some cultures and i know within my one um they consider being big as as a positive thing yeah it's almost like um if you look at the research behind child obesity most I know within South Asians they overfeed a child as an act of nurturing them okay they, like they haven't yeah. eaten all day so they'll like grandma would put more food on the plate and that's just a norm yeah um, and then it goes back to this idea if you say no to them then you feel guilty so it becomes like this toxic cycle so definitely around health beliefs because and, and you need to ask them what is the definition of health because if their definition of health is I'm walking I'm alive then they're not going to make any changes. Yeah. But they don't know what's happening on the inside. And predominantly, you know, diabetes and cardiovascular disease, it, um, it tends to affect the South Asian and the Black population compared to any other population or the general population, let's say. So with um, physical activity and diet, with it being such a long-term process that you, until you see any changes, if they don't, I think in general, older South Asians, if they don't see any physical change, then they're not going to continue to making that change until yeah. they see what they're dealing with. Um, and a lot of the time with health, it comes from the inside of feeling good and, and living a healthy life. And not everybody buys into that idea. So it becomes more like I need to lose weight so I can see it. And then that's when it kind of falls down. It doesn't work. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I know what I was going to say then. I've just completely lost track of what I was going to say. Okay. So um, as a younger person, um, who's like of an ethnic minority, for example, South Asian, how do you get past these sort of problems then? If, if you've got family members that are older that are trying to, mm -hmm. how do you do this without offending or upsetting anyone or going what people might be against your culture, but still trying to maintain a healthy lifestyle? 
um, it, it takes a lot of um, setting or kind of standing your ground. And yeah. I, I think it's like setting a precedent in terms of, look, this is how I choose to eat. Learn to respect that. I'm trying to be healthy and I have my own health problems for those reasons. I'm making just, if you want to eat like that, then you eat like that. So I think it's just kind of putting your foot down and being a bit more vocal yeah. otherwise they'll just be like just eat it you'll be fine so a lot of self-control perseverance and not giving in too much to the emotions around the table basically. okay it's it's not easy you, you no. face it it's good days and bad days but you get used to it after a while and have you noticed this yourself in your life at all if you don't mind me asking if you had to deal I've with come- this or there's always pressures there's yeah. always especially at certain events um but I've come such a long way with my food and, and nutrition that I'm, I'm so far forward now I'm not going to turn back and, and go back to the old way of yeah I'll just eat it then yeah. I feel bad I'll just eat it yeah oh wow <laughs> I mean I I understand to accept because I don't have that as much but it's like when you go to for example my mum's house on a weekend and you go mm-hmm. for a Sunday lunch and she's just trying to f- constantly question, have you eaten enough? Oh, mm-hmm. why don't you have go and have some more? It doesn't like you've eaten enough. And it's like, I'm okay. Like they, it's they okay. Think you're starving and dying. <laughs> yeah. that, that's yeah. the mentality. My grandma, that's my grandma's mentality anyway. Yeah. Oh, oh, you like you've lost a bit of weight. Let's try and fill you back up again. Yeah. That yeah, and then that goes into another area of body dysmorphia and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but sometimes families just think it's okay because they're close to you and they think it's okay, but it's it's not. It's not okay, families. At the, end, uh, the harsh truth is you have to take ownership for it. I understand there's cultural problems. I'm part of the culture that's part of the problem. Um, but you do need to take ownership for it. And I say this a lot in my research. Um, if we tailor it and then the rest of it is down to that person to make those changes, you should never take health for granted. And I think it's eventually when you buy into that, then you will intrinsically make that change and you won't need that much pushing. Like that's yeah. kind of where I am at the moment with my changes. Yeah. No, I get that. I understand that. Um, so sticking to kind of diet and nutrition, but tie a little bit away from culture. Um, mm-hmm. I know you're kind of working psychology and nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see like a fair ratio of male to female people that work in this area? What What is it like? I don't really know anything about the nutritional or psychology sector. I think nutrition is more, I've noticed it's more females. I'm okay. still yet to come across a male, but um, I don't think I've looked in the right places. In terms of um, sports and exercise, I feel like it's still more males as yeah. opposed to females. And it'd be great to see more females, but also females of um, of colour as well because then they would bring the diversity with them and the understanding of how hard it is to make a change um, and actually tailor some of these advice that they're giving, especially around nutrition and that to um, fit different yeah. diversity. So yeah, there, there's still a long way off in terms of um, getting the ratio right. I know within psychology, I think it's more women than men. Yeah. So we need more men on board um, to make it balanced, but we're so far off with that stuff. <laughs> and do you notice that like, if you've come across um, any nutritionists or dietitians that mm-hmm. they have like at least a, a decent understanding of dietary culture or are they kind of like personal training from what I know, that's far from the truth. And I wouldn't even consider, I would never have considered to mm-hmm. put people from a certain ethnicity if they mm-hmm. felt more comfortable in a group. Do you think um nutritionists in general especially in the UK will say mm-hmm. have a good understanding of dietary culture so I, yeah. I did um I did I did a um what did I do so I did a a session with master's dietetic students on um yeah. diets across ethnic minority groups and a lot of them didn't actually were completely like surprised kind of like how you were today in terms of 
I didn't even consider that. I didn't think that had such an influence on their diet. So I think it comes down to how they're trained and how much of it's covered in training. So I don't think it's the person themselves, but I think, yeah. again, ownership falls on them to go out and, and talk to people and, and find the appropriate training and stuff to work with ethnic minority people in terms of diet and physical activity. So it's it's a bit of both training, but then you going out and, and finding a specialist area. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I suppose like university it's three years there's only so much you can fit in a three-year course isn't there yeah. um and even it's if you even if you as a like a personal trainer you don't want to go into this area where you're putting like a food diary for them because that's kind of a, a big area which not everybody feels comfortable with at least have have a clear message in terms of you still can eat your traditional food but maybe just check the labels and check how much of it you're eating yeah that would be a better message as opposed to just not addressing the fact that they have another cuisine that they actually yeah. eat at home yeah Okay, I have just a little controversial message uh, question then. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about personal trainers giving food plans? Um, I think um, as long as it's for according to what they actually eat. So if I tell you that I eat a lot of, um, I don't know, I eat a lot more veg and, and vegan option foods, then as long as you put the, uh, the food diary around that, then I guess that's okay. But it's, yeah. a, it's a very much of a gray area telling someone how to eat because then you mentally you become thinking that's all I can eat. So keeping yeah. that door open where you just say, you can actually eat everything, just maybe just start tracking. That's much more of a healthier approach compared to food diaries. I, th- I think there's a lot of controversy in terms of what it could lead to. And I've personally experienced it on a, on a small scale in terms of um just eating in in a rigorous way where I wasn't happy anymore and I think that's when you think something's not right yeah I think like every individual in every case is different um yeah and obviously certain people need certain things but Mm -hmm. I think as well when you have a food diary it doesn't teach you to think for yourself either you don't you don't learn about the food you don't know anything Mm -hmm. you don't learn about anything because you're just doing what someone's told you to do so you're not learning about the nutritional value of certain foods or you're not learning oh well maybe I don't really like salmon but if you're just tracking your food you'll know oh but it doesn't matter if I don't want to eat salmon because I can swap it out for a different food and it'll be a similar macronutrient level and things whereas if you're just following someone's orders you don't educate yourself on nutrition at all well it's that and you know on Instagram where what I eat in a day yeah I think that leads into a complete different area. And I think it's scary because that you, you can't assume people eat salads every day, who, those who eat healthy. I have a varied diet and a lot of that's because I can cook. So I think yeah. being able to learn how to cook would give you a bit more um, flexibility on changing out proteins for this protein and try that protein and then batch cooking healthy chicken kebabs that you can put with a salad with um with rice, with potatoes. Then it gives you that flexibility to make it long-term as opposed to someone telling you, you know, have this for breakfast, have that for lunch. I yeah. think that leads you down a complete different path. So it's something to be mindful of. Yeah, like I remember seeing a personal trainer. Like I've seen personal trainers for a post, mm-hmm. like what I eat in a day. I'm not going to point it out, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah. And I didn't see a single piece, piece of fruit or vegetable in there. And I was like, yeah. this is like, this isn't, te- obviously they're focused on like calories and macros, but this isn't teaching mm-hmm. people to just have a sustainable, healthy diet. Like there's, there's like not a vitamin or mineral in this diet. Like you're eating very processed foods, which, (laughs) and I think that's a fine line between people being so obsessed over calorie deficit, not actually considering the nutrients and 
how healthy the foods are. Like it's, sometimes I see, not everyone, but it gets to a point where people are just eating loads of processed foods or ready-made yes. meals or like just mm-hmm. high protein snacks because it's in their um, macros or within their calories, but not even considering the nutritional value of those foods. Yeah, I mean, I, this is why it goes back to cooking. So I make my own, um, let's say, the sauce that you would put on pastas or, or meatballs yeah. and stuff. And I threw in a lot of veg and just blitzed it all. And it cut out half the sugar and salt you would find in a jar of the yeah. pasta sauce that you would find. So it's the more you can learn to cook, the more you can read labels and cut out the excess salt and sugar that's actually in the food. And it would actually save you calories. So it's somewhere to start and then eventually it becomes a journey where you're like I'm excited I want to try sweet potatoes with this mix the protein out and it becomes a normal lifestyle and then you become more aware of the portion that you're having so you're less counting rigorously because you're getting more used to it now yeah yeah like I sometimes I don't really count my calories but every once in a while I'll just do like a week or two on my fitness pal rate myself back in and then I'm like okay I know I'm kind of eating about the right amount of food Um, you get used to it the portions exactly so how do you think like the health and nutrition industry Mm -hmm. could improve its message towards women and females for females it's more around why they making the change in the first place there's so much on social media which is so damaging but at the same time you're getting lots of news stories around um you know people going against this idea of strictly just doing it for losing weight I think the messaging needs to change in terms of why is it that you want to change it so if you reach your goal um 50 kg what are you planning to do after that how are you going to stick how are you going to maintain it a lot of people don't maintain it and I think especially for for females it's it's such a great area because there's so much contrast on social media that's against the messaging that we're trying to put out there if you want to lose weight lose it in a healthy way and learn to maintain it but um, don't be fooled by these um, quick shortcuts and on some of the stuff that they sell on um, on the internet. Don't be taking shortcuts. That's just not the way that we should be going down. It's a long-term process and you've got to be patient and you've got to show perseverance. But this messaging around how a female body should look is just more, is more powering than the message that the rest of us are trying to put forward, which is in a more healthy way. Yeah, so I, th- I think we still got a long, long way to go before the messaging is right. Yeah, I yeah, like there's hardly ever a message of just eat to be healthy, mm. like just eat yeah. because you know it's good for your body. These foods are good for you. It's always mm. lose weight, get in mm. good shape, have like the perfect six pack or something. And people yeah. aren't just eating to enjoy the life, enjoy the food, and just exactly. have healthy insides. That's why I enjoy stuff like um, I did yoga with you um, and and Pilates I do elsewhere as well. That's why I enjoy those kind of activities. Yet they're not that physically, um, you wouldn't see that many changes in your body. But you're looking at the other side of physical activity where you're just doing it to feel good. And I think these messages are always pushed to one side to doing more intense training to lose or drop that way and and look a certain way. So it's just trying to balance out that message. Yeah, it's like everything is about aesthetics and now there is nothing wrong with wanting to look good like absolutely no problem but Mm -hmm. like at the same time if you just make small changes to improve your healthy lifestyle you will look better like you look better and you feel better yeah exactly like you just need a healthy balance of both I'm not saying you shouldn't lose weight to look better because that's a lot on your mental health if you don't feel like you look good or you're not um, comfortable with the way you look that's going to take its toll on you but it mm-hmm. just needs to be like a healthy balance of feeling good like being healthy and also being happy with yourself 
just ask yourself why you're making that change and take it from there and I think as a personal trainer that's an important question to ask any of the clients you work with so yeah. if you think oh I just want to drop all this weight the next question should be and why yeah um, and I don't think it's an intrusive question I think it should be asked and it gets them to reflect on actually do I need to lose that weight it gets yeah. them to reflect on it as well yeah I remember this has got nothing to do with personal training but I was reading mm-hmm. like um, a social science book and it was mm-hmm. I think ask why five times to get to the root of a problem. So if someone says, I want to lose weight. Why do you want to lose weight? Yeah. Because I'm going on holiday in a month. Well, why do you want to lose weight for the holiday? And keep digging down until they tell you the actual reason why they want to lose weight or why they want to do something. Because yeah, sometimes just, people don't even think about it. <laughs> it's just spending that time to break down that mental barrier as to why they were doing it in the first place. And I think you'd achieve a lot more sustainable habits and goals that you want to do or plan compared to just like let them just go for it for the sake of they want to lose weight yeah um so last main question Mm -hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to be anyone specifically in like health or fitness Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. are there anyone is there a certain person or people in particular that inspire you in your life or your work um (laughs) I was thinking about this question and I can't think of anyone from the top of my head I think just seeing anyone making any positive changes in their life just inspires me anyway. And seeing females in this field um, and trying to work against what I just mentioned around this body image thing around just the, the pressure that most females actually face. So personal trainers that actually take that into account and try and empower the person as opposed to just getting them to lose the weight and think, right, job done. Yeah. So I think that's something that's important to me. And that's what empowers me when I work around people who have the same ethos as me. Perfect. And lastly, where can we find you, Priya, online? So I'm very active on Instagram. So I'm posting a lot of my research and stuff around diet and healthy behavior changes. So I'm, I'm Priya underscore health psych. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining me, Priya, today. You're very welcome. Thank um, you. And yep, yeah, I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you. Thank you.